season. It's Torres oh! to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I said the last 18 months have just been forgotten in two seconds. Hello and welcome to a post-Thanksgiving weekend of the Plastics Podcast, a show where two American wankers discuss their favorite dishes from the holiday this year. You're joined by, always in the studio, Blair Lacrosse, fan of... Uh, mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes, always a stolid favorite. Mm. And of course, myself, Jacob Burke, champion of stuffed cabbage. Stuffed cabbage. Curveball, I know. A weekend of games galore, not only on the weekend of the Lions-Packers and the U of M-OSU rival fixtures, but we also got some of the big contenders this Premier League season going head-to-head. It's Manchester City and Liverpool pulling the wishbone to see who gets the longer bit at the Etihad, and also Tottenham and, wait, what's this? Unai Emery with the steel chair! <laughs> Lots of action this weekend that really sees the top four get even more stuffed like a turkey. This, some Everton talk after their comfortable loss (laughs) to Man U and a post-international break FPL update. Jacob. Yeah. Welcome back to New York. Thank you. It is good to be back. Does it uh, feel weird leaving? uh, It did, yeah. Yeah. I think... um, I think maybe this will... This might be the most coastal elite thing I'll ever say. (laughs) But when you leave New York and go elsewhere, um, you just notice roads in a way that you just haven't noticed before. <laughs> How do you mean? What do you what do you notice about them specifically? Um I it's mostly that like as you're driving, everything is gas stations, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. car dealerships yeah. or fast food spots. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is like I think an inherent part of the American experience. Uh-huh. Um, it's our culture, which is fine. Uh, the, Western, I, <laughs> the European mind cannot comprehend they this. They can't comprehend the... So I, I saw something the other day, and it was like, um, Europeans think 200 miles is a long way, mm-hmm. and Americans think 200 years is a long time, mm. which I think is pretty good. Because, like, yeah. obviously, supercar-centric society, because the USA is just enormous. Yeah. Um, where I grew up, where, where we grew up, I'd actually... There could be a difference here, but we always conveyed distances and uh how how long it took to get there and oh, how hours? far it was yeah, yeah. so it's a few hours south yeah um and so yeah i always thought it was weird when people would be like oh yeah it's like 15 miles away but like i have no idea is that close is that far it seems like it's not that far but 15 miles in the snow could take a while it could take a while yeah. yeah yeah uh but yeah so i went i went away for thanksgiving uh this weekend to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for a destination Thanksgiving in the mountains. Mm. It was very pleasant. Tennessee has some wonderful spots, and it's the perfect time of year where you can be outside. It's still warm enough to where Mm. you don't need a big coat, but it's cold enough to where all the mosquitoes are dead. Hell yeah. Get them. So I really liked it, and obviously, um, you know, just the the scenery. I didn't, unfortunately, missed uh, Dollywood, so I'll have to come back and miss Parton. Um, yeah, our country's um, real White House. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> our, the true symbol of our national pride, <laughs> Dolly Parton. Um, I got to ask you something uh, topical then. Yeah. What is your one soccer-related thing you're thankful for this year? The one soccer-related thing I'm thankful for this year? Uh, yeah, I think um, this year for... I'll, you know, since we're, since we're in the club season, I'll, I'll stick with a Liverpool lens. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of um, stock in, stock out this summer. Um, so I'm thankful for a lot of our newer signings. Mm. Um, I think most notably, probably Ryan Gravenberch. Okay. A uh, big, big fan of his. But also, because uh, I, I feel like he doesn't, next to him, Dominic uh, Shabashlag, it's all the love. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, you got to show some love for the new signings. And... Um, Let's see. Uh, I am also thankful for uh, just, uh, I don't, man, I don't know. It's what, what, okay. Let me, while I think some more on this, what are you thankful for this, this soccer season? This question just popped into my mind. And so I, I was like, well, I got to come up with something <laughs> yeah, now. Oh so, no. 
Um, I put myself on the spot by putting you on the spot. What am I thankful for in this season so far? Hmm. Can I put words in your mouth? Please. Okay. Uh, I think I would be thankful for, as an Arsenal fan, um, all a almost complete team that has been <laughs> assembled, like the Avengers. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I think that would have been like the the one to grasp towards. I was trying to think of something maybe a little bit outside the box, though. Like, what's, what's something that I've uh, enjoyed just generally from the soccer season so far? Oh, not you to do with, mean? yeah, your tribal. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. Um, mm. dang, I have, I, so I have enjoyed, um, watching Harry Kane decide mm. to mm-hmm. break or be on the way to breaking the Lewandowski record, like a season <laughs> after it happened with relative ease, yeah, just it, kind of strolling towards it's it. It's been amazing. Yeah. Um, I am thankful for, um, watching, uh, the, uh, Messi tear it up in MLS. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this year, does the world cup count for I this year? I think the year? world cup counts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of the most exciting. They offered yeah. some of the most exciting games ever. Uh, and you know, uh, obviously, I think most fans of the sport in general wanted Argentina to win over France, unless you're French, which I get. Um, I think I'm most thankful, thinking of the World Cup, for the Emmy Martinez photo of him holding that trophy like it's his wiener. <laughs> and then that one guy in the <laughs> background looking there at it, it like, All right. what? I hope you get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am thankful for Kepa Uritha Balaga going from Chelsea to Real Madrid, of all places, Ooh. and uh, leaving a dumpster fire <laughs> to have... Uh, the spotlight while Thibaut Courtois uh, recovers. R- rest in peace, King. I think I'm thankful for Jorginho scoring a goal off the mm. back of Emmy Martinez's head mm. to win the game at Aston Villa <laughs> last year in the spring. <clears throat> if we're doing the uh, full calendar year. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, I think there's lots to be thankful for. That uh, You sprung it on me, and I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it some time to marinate by the uh, time this episode ends. Obviously, this is at the end of the uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so we're a bit slow, we're a bit stuffed, and we've probably gained five pounds or so. Uh, Maddie's Easy. unable to join us because she is fighting off uh, an infection of some. So, mm. um, prayers and vibes. <laughs> prayers and vibes. Thankful for um, telehealth. Low-flying helicopters. Low-flying low helicopters. <laughs> Yeah, that's a it's a one thing they don't tell you about moving to Brooklyn <laughs> is that that's a very common experience that you will yeah. encounter you, is you helicopters just, you just, just get hovering overhead. Overhead traffic of all of the rich Long Island folk yeah. going in and out of the city. It really is too. Like you just see like helicopters clearly coming from Manhattan and clearly going out to like the Hamptons or something. It's like oh, okay, yeah. somebody's going home for work. You know, very nice. <laughs> uh, Blair, why don't you take me through a quick thirty second uh, summary of the U of M OSU game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, As a Michigan natives and obviously U of M uh, sports fans. Partisans, even though never went there, which is awesome. It's the best way way to support Michigan is by having never attended the university itself. Um, Yeah, so Michigan-Ohio State, very big rivalry for uh, those who aren't in the know. College football, they will often call it the, the game. The game, the biggest rivalry in sports, which is a very American-centric uh, way of viewing things because I don't even think that's really clo- close probably to um, other rivalries that exist out there. That's true. Um, the history of it, I guess, is pretty interesting given that it sort of stemmed from like a short, short, uh, lived war that happened between the two states, I guess. Um, yeah. Over the Toledo Strip. We've calmed down. Yeah. We, we got we got over it. We got the UP. <laughs> we got the Upper Peninsula. We started journaling. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really looked uh, within ourselves. Um, and I, honestly, the Toledo Strip way overrated. Um, it's a piece of shit of land. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Long running game. Ohio State has in recent um, decades. Basically, <laughs> uh, dominated it. Um, they're a, I think, much more uh, prestigious football program uh, in the modern times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have a lot of. Uh, yeah, because I think Michigan like is winning in the series, but like most of those wins come from like pre nineteen eighty. Yeah, there's a lot of like. Uh, you know, the all the flashbacks are in black and white kind of games <laughs> in there. There's um, cave renderings. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, yeah, Michigan, though, recently have done pretty well. Uh, as Ryan Day took over Ohio State, he also um, somehow... Uh, lifted the curse on Michigan's program, and they've won now the three, three straight uh, matchups, including a really dominant win last year at the at the Horseshoe Buckeye Stadium. Um, this year, pretty good game, ended thirty to twenty four with a couple of clutch uh, turnovers for uh, Michigan's defense to seal it. But yeah, it's a pretty exciting game. So overall, I think this secures you of a playoff spot for the college. Uh 
football uh, national I playoffs. I think that's lightweight. Which I wanted to add, um, definitely not the biggest rivalry because that same weekend the Brazil-Argentina game happened yeah, and there was like, a full-out massacre yeah. in the stands, which I think just yeah. shows the differences and it's the not, passion these fans yeah. have. I will say an addendum, however, there's truly nothing like a college football game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see other t- countries get uh, parts of their air force to fly over <laughs> their games. That's true. Uh, that is something that we truly bring to the table that uh-huh. others can't. Um, marching bands, a truly cool. American yeah. concept. It is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I have been in the big house when like stealth bombers have flown over. Oh, and yeah, you're just or, like a ten warthogs, and you're just like for that brief moment. The like the id the like very American id in your brain just like yeah. is fully yeah. flared. The hippocampus <laughs> is fully flared, and you're just like yeah, European yeah. mind yeah. cannot comprehend it a tr- USA chant. <laughs> Truly, there's a there's a little stuffed guy, uh, the Buckeye mascot on the on the sidelines doing weird dances and TikTok dances, and there's a there's a B two stealth bomber accompanied <laughs> by some F 16s flying overhead yeah. and. Uh, marching band. There's James Earl Jones going, this is the greatest <laughs> university on earth. It's honestly like the most like ostentatious, like over the top. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's, like it's a very American production. If you production. packed in those TikTok videos where like everything is stimulating you at once, <laughs> yeah. you know, all you needed was like the uh, someone to parachute in that's like has a huge American yes. flag trailing. I'm sure that has happened. <laughs> it's really like reverse ASMR, yeah. you know? It, it just overwhelms <laughs> the yeah. senses. Overstimulation. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that happened. The Lions lost to the Packers and a bunch of, uh, I think, really significant title uh, deciding, uh, well, title tilting, maybe, because deciding, I think, is a big bit too much. Title tilting mm. games happened mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. Um, and we're going to break into it. Mm. Um, first, we're going to uh, transition noise. I believe I have some live uh, recordings of Blair playing piano here. One sec. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good, Blair. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> What is this piece? I was feeling mournful. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, Etudes number one. Mm, mm. Um, Etudes. I, I Etudes. Call, I call this one uh, A Dog Ate My Homework. Oh, A Dog Ate My Homework. Well, you know what? <laughs> a Dog Ate Manchester City's Homework. Ooh. Because uh, <laughs> they tied Liverpool at the Etihad. Yeah. What a result for people who uh, <laughs> want Manchester City to not win it a fourth time in a row. That's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, Liverpool and the Liverpoolians uh, faced against Manchester City and their citizens and uh, tied a game that I think uh, a lot of people thought. I mean, obviously the big stat being shown was Liverpool's just consistent lack of victories when facing Manchester City away. Obviously, this continues the streak, but a tie uh, in what's probably referred to as a rebuilding year for Liverpool against a Manchester City that I think most people expect to win the league again, uh, that is continuing their... um, Is unprecedented success the correct thing to word here? I think that's what we've been getting thrown at us. Yeah. Is it unprecedented? I guess it's... No, I don't think it is. Um, the the four peat has never been done, but the three peat has. The three peat has. Yes. The treble has. So but it's precedented. I I do wonder because I was I was too young to really gauge the media sphere. But did Manchester like Fergie's man? You really feel this like inevitable? You know. My guess is yes. Yeah, probably. I mean, financially though, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it'd be hard to say. Um, you know how like we uh, young people get in arguments with older older folks about yeah. like the Jordan versus LeBron debate, right? I feel like this is kind of like he's the cities are LeBron and yeah, like, Fergie's United. Is well, because like Jordan, the eternal you know? reasoning is like for the Jordan fans. I- um, now I'm not taking a side here. I'm just <laughs> commenting. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, um, no, LeBron's better. Uh, but I agree. LeBron <laughs> um, is a better player. But the big thing is like Jordan's like you had to be there. Exactly. Like you there, right? Yeah. You don't get it. Yeah. The hype was unreal. Mm-hmm. I I don't doubt that. Um, I, I it's not yeah. like it's this weird thing that happens where you go like I think one guy was better and it's like oh so you think the guy sucks? You yeah. Know? Like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I think that that's gonna happen to Steph Curry. Well, yeah, if Steph won one more uh, title, he would be, like, very much in that conversation, probably. Um, But but that's for our Pistons podcast uh, later on. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, we've got some interesting things we noted here. Uh, We watch this, me and Blair, uh, separately. Uh, Blair, the comfort of uh, our apartment. Me, Mm. in the comfort of a shack in the middle of the mountains. Mm. Um, So... I think the big thing here, uh, pre-match, people were discussing, uh, most notably, 
uh, the in terms of duels between on the wings. Um, we have on the wings and in the midfield, I should add. So three, I'm picking out three people in particular here. Uh, it would be Kyle Walker or Phil Foden against Casas Simikas. Uh, deputy left back to Andy Robertson, obviously. So that's going to be always in question. And then uh, everyone's radar now, Jeremy Doku, the dribble master himself, Count Doku against uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, famous stolid defender for Liverpool uh, and how he would... How that would fare. And then uh, if... I think the question here was what the midfield for uh, Liverpool would be. I think it's pretty clear for Manchester City. You get a combination of those four defenders and Rodri. Mm-hmm. And then you go. And then, the, you know, your two number... Uh, you know, looking at your eight, your 10, your Julian Alvarez and your Bernardo Silva um, against McAllister, right? So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of battles played out. I guess, Blair, I'm going to... Take us through them one by one. Please do. I want to um, get your. I want to hear your take. Okay. Cool. Let's get the full download. The full desagulation. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe I'll. We can like trade off here because you know, I'm me, a Liverpool fan, I go into this kind of knowing internally what to expect from the team, but yes. maybe a neutral would have a different viewpoint going in. So, okay. what were you expecting? What was I expecting here? Um. That's a good question. I think I was expecting this match to be a bit more open than it was. Okay. It wasn't It wasn't um, like a defensive masterclass from both teams. I think it was kind of... It, both teams were like successful in making it sloppy for their opponent, basically, is what it felt like. Um, and I don't think that either really put up like a great attacking performance, um, personally. And so I think I was expecting to see a little more, like I guess, coherence in the styles um typically in the past you'd see these teams like be able to have stretches of 15 or 20 minutes so they build sort of assert their um individual style on their opponent um and i think they to to each team they were slightly less successful in doing that in this match it was sort of harder to see it if uh you weren't i guess fully uh on board with how these two teams play going into it if that makes sense mm. okay less 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 obvious in the way their identities uh came through in the play yeah. Interesting. Um, did you have, I mean, I think for me anyway, I didn't expect to get a point out of this at all. Yeah, I didn't expect it to go well for, for Liverpool. Yeah, I think that would be fair to say as well. Cool. Uh, I guess, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's, I guess let's uh, go into the, the the obvious matchup that I think most people were looking at was Jeremy Doku against Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. So this is a big one for me. It immediately draws my eye, right? Yeah, um, and not only because Jeremy Doku has... I mean, for obvious reasons, I think people notice flashier players more. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to people trying to dribble past entire teams, uh, you know, that he's young, he's a new transfer, he's on the colloquially the best team in the league. Um, Doku is obviously garnering more attention and uh, coincidentally has the highest rating on FOTMOB uh, here, <laughs> which I don't agree with necessarily. So Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't understand the ratings here because they're giving all of the Manchester City players like green ratings uh-huh. and then all of the Liverpool players orange ratings. And like orange is hotter than green. So I think they'd be like better. This is a good point. <laughs> Get your electromagnetic spectrum knowledge up. Anyway, so a lot of the game, uh, I was nervous because... I could I could see it in my head, you know, uh, when Alexander-Arnold has to, which he didn't do as much this game, by the way, but he has to pinch in sometimes uh, to help facilitate the midfield while Jones and uh, Shabashlai push forward and Mack and him stay back. Um, that leaves a pretty big... Uh, <laughs> Mack and him stay back. Sorry, it was just the uh, the middle rhyming. Or yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't know anyone who also calls him Mack like that, but uh, I'm going to continue it, it, I think it just leaves that spot open because, like, when you when you have to like kind of push over with Matip, Van Dijk, and Simikas, it's like you just leave some hole. And I think the most obvious place to put that would be for Doku to just like run down the maraud yeah. down the wings and then like pass it from the byline to the center of the eighteen. Uh, and it happened a few times. Um, I saw stats somewhere that uh, Trent Alexander Arnold got dribbled past seven times uh, this match. Mm-hmm. Which is, I believe, some sort of record. Um, it's not, not not great. It's not great, but I did go back and look uh, mm. and at some of those things. Uh, I don't think all of the dribbling pasts. Well, I, I don't know if I would count them. Yeah, is it like? Here's my thing. I'm, I was looking at those numbers just a second ago too. Doku was. 
12 of 15 on dribbles, which is like, that's yeah. insane, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Trent was 5 of 15 on ground duels, uh, one. So that those two numbers would say, oh, Doku was like routinely like mm-hmm. slaughtering Trent. It's not really what happened, though. No, the, that's what the big surprising thing is like Trent really held his own. Um, and he, I think he was only truly, by by my opinion, but I think most people would agree with this, he was only truly dribbled past by Doku one. Um, and that didn't end up, Nothing ended up happening. Um, I think Trent really showed much more defensive quality this game than actually he did offensive quality. Um, yeah. If we're discounting the goal, which is dumb, <laughs> but you don't like what I guess what you'd expect from him offensively, right? You sure. don't expect that that offensively from him every game. What the thing you try to look for with him is like his vertical um, threat. Yeah, when it comes yeah. to passing, you know, he's always looking for the ball forward, and he like he just wasn't getting that this game. Yeah. Um. So the fact that he made it up with some pretty solid backtracking and sticking with him, surprising. I was pleasantly surprised. I I think what I noticed here was that um is first of all it was the one that he got past Alexander Arnold the the attempt he cr- cut back to Holland in the six. I the, the believe so. Yes. That was, that was like late in the game. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was what I, if if I were to tell you in my mind, how does a, a looking at these team sheets before an hour before the match, how mm-hmm. does how does a goal happen for Man City? It's, it's exactly that. It's Doku cutting it back to somebody in the box after beating Trent down the wing, not cutting inside. What Doku did a lot on his dribbling, though, was he elected to dribble into like channel four or whatever into the towards the middle of the field not yeah. down the line and so what he ended up doing a lot of the time was dribbling into a bit of a cul-de-sac where like um matt tip would help out alexander arnold or maybe McAllister would drop in or something like this and it didn't really result in like a lot like he was able to carry across the middle of the field sometimes but it didn't really do anything to disrupt liverpool's defensive structure like getting past trent on the wing would have which is a quintessential thing for city they love cutback goals yeah so it was it was kind of weird i was i was a little bit like um surprised that he kept electing to do that because it felt like he could have gotten by trent a little more than he did but he just sort of decided not to and i mean it has to be a bit down to trent's positioning and i guess something that doku was reading in that 1v1 battle but um yeah yeah, it was it was an odd choice from him. I also wonder if a lot of those dribbles where he's like carrying it across the middle of the field, if he's getting in like the vicinity of players, if it's counting that as a dribble, even though they're not contesting it, I, he's I, just kind of going by they, them. There's some distance that has to be like registered with yeah. the motion tracking, and then I think it's like a forward angle. So ah, like if okay. you're if you're going at like a shallow angle, like trying to cut through and find a pass, that still yeah. counts, I think. I see. Okay. So which really, I mean, you have to draw a line at some point with like the mathematics of these things, which I get. But you know, at some point, it's like it's not a pass. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, but like also Doku pace big thing for him. Um. Yeah. That's his primary weapon, obviously here. So, and he's 21, right? He's he's not a finished product by any means. So w- sure. when when you try to get him to do the other part of what he's there for obviously i don't think he's going to be as developed so yeah especially in this case when in my opinion all four of liverpool's uh defensive men uh center backs whatever (laughs) defensive line they all performed very well um i truly think that um van dyke is back simicast well, I guess we'll move this over to Simicast against the combo of Foden Walker. Um, because, uh, yeah, um, I only say Walker because he's still very fast, even though he's an old man at uh, 33. Um, Simicast, Greek god. Uh, I'd liken him to maybe uh, Apollo. Okay. Yeah, because he's he's my sunshine. Okay. Yeah, anyway. live at the Apollo. <laughs> uh, but uh, he he was able to. I also threatened. Well, um, I think the big thing here is that what we were looking for. I mean, personally, as a Liverpool fan, was Simicast to not fuck it up. <laughs> that that was the standard there because he doesn't ha- he doesn't ever have a good run of games. So how is he supposed to get up to speed uh, in a consistent manner? Especially, you know, I think I think if if you were to take a poll, most teams would say their hardest game for the season is either. Here at the Eddie Hat against Man City, or maybe like at the Emirates against Arsenal, right? Um, or at Anfield. Um, so for him to get like you know the toughest fixture, arguably the season for Liverpool, especially, I think this surpassed expectations here. Um, mm-hmm. Defensively, in general, I think Liverpool surpassed expectations. Yeah, I agree. I think they they defended a lot better than I was expecting. Um, yeah, I was thinking in the sort of the creativity, some of the running uh, down the channels, down the middle of the pitch with yeah. Holland would just be a bit too disruptive. 
Um, also, like, uh, McAllister's, Shrubbish Lie, and Jones, I think all each other qualities but like that's not like the like heaviest midfield in the world you know it's pretty it's pretty light no, uh, it's mobile mm-hmm. and i think honestly rodri didn't play that well this match um at least going forward i i think he was i don't know um just a bit off of it in that respect uh he did have <laughs> quite a bit uh, high accuracy on his long balls but yeah i don't know i just think that it didn't look like their attack didn't look like I had that much uh, bite to it, um, for the most part. And Liverpool did a good job of nullifying, um, especially Foden. Like I, I don't know. To me, it seemed like if it was going to come, if a goal was going to come, it was going to come from Doku. Um, and oddly enough, it came from Ake on that same side of the pitch. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can talk about that. The um, Ake assist. Of so course. I think so, we'll, I we'll talk about the source of that, and then we'll. So like Ake's. Ake assists. He shoves it to Holland, mm-hmm. who is positioning always. Mm-hmm. Um, and he. I mean, like, when, when he gets in those positions where he's, like, got one guy against him and the goalkeeper, you pretty much, like, it's bang on a goal. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, yeah, but, like, Ake receives a ball and dribbles through Massive and Arnold like that, um, who shouldn't have to be in that position anyway um, because the it came from a very, very poor clearance from Allison, yeah. who I will say uh, this game displayed a alarming lack of mental awareness maybe his yeah, passes were errant yeah and going like I, th- I counted three or four times where he made a incredibly dangerous pass they gave it right back to man city mm-hmm. um and put them right on the front foot again in and if i think if he wasn't such a good shot stopper i mean he had a save from phil Foden this game that um was like fingertips yeah yeah it probably should have been a goal for nine out of ten keepers in the league um, so, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I noted in the notes here, but like, you know, Ederson with his like incredible dis, um, dispersion of the team and Allison's shot stopping, I think they just showcased like the, the reasons why their team signed as, uh, you know, Allison was not, um, as a game today or, uh, yesterday. Um, and additionally, uh, more concerningly, I think he came off with an injury at the very end of the match. Uh, he was working through it the entire time, but you just can't sub it. Did he? Oh, okay. He pulled something. Yeah. I don't know. I think the thing too that I was thinking about a bit, a bit here is like um, Nunez, McAllister, and Allison are all three of them coming back from South America over the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think like that's just like such a nightmare to go from that into the cauldron of the Etihad and play this game at twelve thirty. Like it's just like a, a it's a, a nice um, bit of um, some confounding circumstances that will. Uh, mess some people up, you know? For sure. I mean, like, uh, the, the, the hemisphere dispersion is real. Yeah, and, like, th- this is, like, a big thing in, all, like, all sports, like, gets way more attention now is how important your sleep schedule is in maintaining that. And, like, just imagine going for South, going to South America for, like, a week and a half, coming back to, you know, North England and, like, playing a match um, like that. Like, it would just be, like, such a messed up, like, thing for your body. You know, your rhythm would be way off. So, I don't know. It seemed to me like Allison was having more, like, focus issues than he was, like, um, anything else, you know? I think that's yeah. maybe, you know, he's a, he's just a sleepy boy out there. <laughs> uh, pretty crazy that Brazil has both guys. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ederson and Alvarez yeah. both, of course, still uh, doing the same thing, so... Um, to be fair, yeah, both sides. Were. I, I don't really because um, I, I think more um, press came out of um, headlines that were coming from like I think Holland and I think Ake also like just leaving camp. Yeah, yeah, just, some like, mysterious like, injuries. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think uh, they do a good job of managing their players when they go on international yeah. break. Which, like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I, I don't think this is any big deal for like players to skip international break for like big club games because like obviously you're going to prioritize the team that pays for your lifestyle yeah yeah i agree um if only the the international federations would realize that sometimes <laughs> it doesn't you don't have to play your best player um yeah. two full 90s in games that maybe don't matter all that much <laughs> i I don't know. Yeah, because it's it also is like just another sim game or like the amount of games that are just in in the the season these days. But I, that's besides. Well, um, the, I was just I just to uh, continue to take us down that path of um, being way besides the point. I've been seeing a slew of articles recently about. Um, is the number of matches catching up with players uh, vis-a-vis injuries. And also articles like, um, yeah, so there's a lot more injuries this year. Uh, the World Cup last year is probably why. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, It's like all these ACLs keep happening. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is what happens. If you look at, too, if uh, the, the, the Javi one, 
like didn't he play like all of the olympics and then go away for was it qualifying matches yeah. World Cup qualifying matches for spain you're talking about pedri or pavi uh, Javi, oh because he, he just, just tore his ACL. Yeah. and then played in the world cup for spain <laughs> like, like yeah the schedule is insane on that kid hey we've got two incredibly durable youngsters in pedri and javi let's run them yeah. to the ground <laughs> yeah like just completely grounded in the dust. So anyway, um, so I think overall vibes here is that um, to me the takeaway I am gathering from this is that Manchester City uh, grinded Liverpool down with some possession early on uh, and was able to squeak out a goal by capitalizing on Liverpool's mistakes. Um, yeah. Liverpool had I be- I think midfield wise uh, they were struggling with uh, City's pace yeah. uh, with passing. But uh, we're able to keep composure and maintain some very lethal counterattacks. Uh, and this came from uh, not long diagonal passes, either from Allison or Van Dyke, which is usually the pattern you find with uh, other teams, but from playing through the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what helped with the uh, uh, the goal that at the very end. Um, I believe it's, uh, was it was. Am I? Am I? Is yeah, it was a seventy. Or yeah, it was eightieth minute. Yeah, um, that that came from uh, Arnold's just incredible finish. Yeah, um, really nice. He just struck. Yeah, just a rocket from the ground uh, out of Ederson, uh beyond Ederson's grasp, and like the, I, that. That's he. Sometimes he he can do that stuff, and it's just crazy to me. It hit the side netting too. Yeah. I think I don't think it hit the back of the net, which uh, is. It, Tells you how it's curling. <laughs> uh, Salah with another goal involvement. Um, Pretty good. Racking his tally up. Uh, By notably, the way, Holland's goal took him to the fastest of 50 goals oh in God, the really yeah. 48 matches. That <laughs> yeah. 48 matches, 50 yeah. goals. Yeah, it's Insane He beat the record numbers. by 17 matches, I believe. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's unreal. That, that boy. That boy yeah, something else. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, I also want to note that City didn't use a single sub. Yeah, weird. Very strange. Yeah. Um, I know I'm looking at their bench here and it's not ideal. Right? No. So no. John Stones, Gvardiol, Calvin Phillips, still alive. Rico Lewis, uh, and then Sergio Gomez and <laughs> my favorite Oscar Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Bob sounds like a made up name. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry to <laughs> so that. So like man. not the, I, I actually wouldn't call this a very, it's not a deep bench. Um, no. if you're trying to sub out the, like the, the workhorses here. So Jack Grealish, notably, uh, out with this illness this weekend too mm-hmm. so couldn't see the uh proposed change of pace sub for uh, jeremy doku i don't know if we would have seen that or not but mm-hmm. um let's see lastly uh the only thing i want to address is a uh question on the using mccauser yet again as a six here yeah um against a um oh also uh the tactical follows for man city not getting called i'm just gonna put that out there right now <laughs> no not a single yellow card not a single one are you kidding me? Just let that one linger. Hey, hey, there is bias. Sometimes <laughs> it's okay to admit as, as long as you acknowledge it. I can't do anything about it, but I'm going to call it out when I see it. Tactical uh, fouling is a very real thing. Tactical fouling is fine as long as you were appropriately penalized for it because it's a tactical <laughs> foul. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's fine personally. I think it's annoying as hell. Yeah. Um, I'm but. like, look, you can, you can do a yellow card offense. Fine. It's like whatever. Yeah. But if you don't get the yellow card, what's the point? Like just then yeah. run rampant. Let's just break out some axes and swords and just hack each other to bits. It's it's a very real strategy to like hack Ben Simmons or Shaquille O'Neal um, and make them shoot free throws because they're bad at it, right? Um, yeah. So this is like the basketball equivalent. The problem with that is when you're watching that unfold in a basketball game, it's dreadful. And I think that's the same thing that happens with tactical fouls where it's just like it chops up the match. It does. And like... It just sucks to watch. I, I find it very annoying, you well, know? He, but how are you supposed to stop that, you know? I really don't know. I, I guess if it's, like, uh, like it's targeted on one person, maybe you can start drawing some conclusions. But, like, yeah, it's really hard to say. Because, well, like, the idea here is, like, Liverpool press, like, try to dispossess them or gain the ball back, and they yeah. quickly launch forward. Yes. Beyond the pace of the midfield and the defenders. Yes. yes. Uh, if that entire strategy is unraveled by... Yeah tackling them in yeah. a manner that is against the rules yeah that's what that's like rodri's whole bag and that that tackle is then not penalized yeah it there just, is it's just no, a stoppage of play yeah there's no incentive for man city to not do that every exactly. single time yeah it's not fair exactly <laughs> yeah this is the this is the issue right it's, it's <laughs> so we agree it's what's so, no it's what's really <laughs> annoying about it is like yeah um I I just I think that this has been something like I I see this all the time with Bukayo Saka like he gets kicked in the ankles all the time. This yeah. is the, this is a thing that teams do to him now, um, and I think it's a very concerted effort to do that. Um, do you think that 
Brazil or perhaps tactical following Rodrigo de Paul um, <laughs> over the weekend because <laughs> there was something going on there. I don't know if it was That's tactical or tactic. if they just didn't like his haircut. Yeah, but following is one way to. <laughs> yeah, they were just like <laughs> physically abusing this man. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, obviously the South American games maintaining the grand tradition of violence yeah. in the arena. Absolute garbage yeah. too. <laughs> that that um, match was just like so, uh, some violence and then a little bit of soccer. Too. I, I don't know what kind of demographics we get for these episodes, but if you are an American that you know is getting into soccer and you want to look at some fierce rivalries, go look at South American games. They are mm -hmm. un like genuinely unsafe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's 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 wild. Uh, anything you want to add here, Blair? Um, I think if you're the road team taking the point, you feel a lot better than if you're the away or the home team. Oh, yeah. Sense. I mean, like, I think Manchester City wanted to put, like, the title a bit to bed by winning here. Obvi I mean, obviously. But, like, <laughs> Liverpool taking a point here, huge. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's that's a tie uh, to Man... I'm just, I'm just going to get the big the record for the big teams <clears throat> uh, Liverpool have faced thus far. Um, it's a tie to Man City. It is uh, a... I'm going to say a theoretical should have been tied to Tottenham. <laughs> but uh, but a, a real loss. <laughs> but we're moving on from that. <laughs> um, at this point, since we're going to move into the next section, a win against Aston Villa. Mm -hmm. hey, uh, so we, we've tied away to City. We've tied away to Chelsea. And I believe we've won away to Newcastle. Yes. Which is uh, a huge Five huge out of result. nine points there. Pretty big. Pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, what, does that change your uh, title race opinions here? Um, I think I said that they'd finish second, right? City? Yeah. No, Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, I don't think so. I'm going to officially announce my dark horse candidacy for <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, it's there. I don't think they're going to win it, but, man, it's fun to watch now, uh, now that the big question mark's in the air. Because with this, we're not going to talk about it. Arsenal beating Brentford. Mm. You're not going to say stop the count? Oh yeah, stop the count. There you go. Okay. Sorry, I, 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 <laughs> it's okay. I didn't. I didn't indicate you at all. <laughs> I didn't know what I was supposed to say. <laughs> I, I thought that was a natural response there. Arsenal Defense, is in uh, first. Yeah, Arsenal are in first, one point ahead of City. Uh, there's a three-way tie for second place That's because right. Aston Villa won at Tottenham what? Hotspur. What? It's Unai Emery. <laughs> no scope. 360 <laughs> against on Boston Codley. Emery really is the 360 no scope of managers. Like that, that is the, the whole the whole shtick here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. Unai loves to play. Like you know how I always say, like the the players clearly don't understand that giving away a penalty in the box is a much higher percentage chance than yeah. just letting the guy take a shot. Um, that that is like basically the entire construction of Unai Emery's team is like it's really hard to get a perfectly timed ball through our high line and we're going to draw them off sides a bunch of Every times and single time. like they might score on three of the five times that they're off sides but they're still offside so it doesn't count. It's like Unai Emery's <laughs> taking them through like an advanced statistics class. Yeah. Like, dude, we're we're footballers. Yeah. We're, we're not here to learn. Yeah, yeah. It's like show have Jack really show where he he's from <laughs> on a map of England. Look, look, mate. <laughs> Impossible, yeah. All right, so here's here. It's full disclosure. Uh, I was on a flight back, so I didn't see this. Mm. So I'm just going to ping Blair questions about this. Let's um, do it. Speed round. Yeah, so obviously uh, the big, the, I think the big pregame talking point here is just the sheer amount of injuries and red card suspensions we've got going. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. uh, Tottenham has Perisic, Madison, Manor Solomon, uh, the Mickey Van de Ven, fun name, uh, Richarlison, Sessegnon, and Christian Romero, all not playing for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Aston Villa have Tyron Mings and Emi Buendia. So uh, Tyron Mings still a big, big cog there. Uh, yes. So what was the what was the pre-match coverage I'm telling you beforehand? W was this like a... a a, a match of rivals because this is at a Tottenham Hotspur stadium. Um, I think it's like basically, yeah, a lot of the table implications, right? Um, mm -hmm. With both teams being so close. So now Villa 28 points, Tottenham 26. Obviously Villa picking up the three points. So they jumped Tottenham in the table. So yeah, like I guess whenever you play somebody that you're right next to in the table, um, especially when you're right next to them just outside the top five or top four, um, those matches have bigger implications. So like almost almost arguably uh, Villa Tottenham was a, was a bigger 
uh, more important match than the Newcastle Chelsea match was, um, just by way of current table position. Um, not saying that Villa is bigger than those clubs, but I am. Uh, Jacob is in the spirit <laughs> um, of Thanksgiving. Aston Villa is a massive club. It's a big and club. We need to give them the respect they deserve. And to that point. I think they do deserve respect. This is a good squad. I, I, I see a lot of talent in this squad. I don't think it's, you know, pushing for a title, but I do think that there are good pieces here um, for them to use. Um, and I don't know. I find that a lot of the discourse around Villa is still very sort of circumspect, very like, um, you know, they'll fall off eventually. And like, I think that's very possible. I've seen it happen before with Unai Emery, but um, they play like a very i would say um exciting brand of football and i think they have like the talent and pieces in place that need to um i don't know take points off of some of the bigger clubs in the in the country and um by doing so finish somewhere high on the table i I think that that their position is fairly well deserved at this point well just only by taking a look at the like preliminary stats that um these soccer apps provide um since I've got one eye on this and one eye on the uh, doc, uh, mm. Aston Villa have 31 goals for 18 against. Uh, that mm-hmm. is ahead of Liverpool um, and every other team below. So if we're only going by goals for Villa, are in uh, second actually. Yes, yes. Um, now to be fair, they are overperforming their goals for by their xG by quite a, quite a bit. They're yeah, what's on 23 and a half uh, xG. And, um, well, this is before updating today. So they were on 29 goals and 23 and a half XG coming into the weekend. So, you know, a pretty significant overperformance. Six goals is is quite a lot. Um, But, you know, I think that they um, generally, like if you look at their expected uh, goals difference, they're high on the table. They're like fifth or sixth. Um, So, like, yeah, they're they're just performing like really solidly. And like they are uh, a club worthy of a European position as it stands right now. Um, so yeah, I think that was basically the, the coverage going into the match. Obviously with Tottenham, it's like, they started out like a house on fire. Um, they didn't lose in their first time matches and now they've lost three straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like, can they, uh, sort of rest away this, um, losing streak having gone into this with two straight losses or will they continue to slide? And obviously the result tells us that they slid instead of not slide. Leon Bailey <laughs> plays for Aston Villa. He does. Yeah. Why is that weird? I just thought I'd be seeing these Spurs are cotton. <laughs> Kings of Leon Bailey. <laughs> That's a deep cut. I don't know if anyone's going to I didn't that. get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let me t- tell me about a uh, Lewis, Louise and uh, uh, Kamara. Uh, this, this, this midfield pair. Yeah. So they... Um, struggled early on. Spurs looked really good to start this match. They were well on top of Aston Villa. Um, they had Villa under all kinds of pressure. They were creating a lot of chances, dispossessing Villa. Aston Villa's structure, honestly, was like collapsing before our eyes um, under this press. They were just really unable to get the ball um, out of their defensive third. And they kept falling into the trap that Tottenham were setting for them. They would they would uh, close down the middle of the pitch, which is a very standard uh, defensive structure, allow Villa the, the sides of the pitch uh, to work with. And then once they got out there, they would just spring a trap with you know two two pressers and basically force a a, a bad low percentage pass um, down the line that would go out of bounds or not find its intended target. So mm. Villa were just really unable to deal with a lot of what Spurs were throwing at them. And I think really what it comes down to is one, um, Spurs were uh, very well structured, um, but they're also just incredibly, incredibly aggressive and incredibly up-tempo with their pressing. Um, So they were burning through a lot of calories uh, sustaining this level of pressure. And um, they ended up getting a goal to show for it after a few... um, moments of uh hitting hitting the post or uh, being off sides um for goals um they eventually got the giovanni lacelso goal which was quite nice it was a strike just inside the box bounced off of a defender um which sent emmy martinez the wrong way and yeah nice 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 goal so yeah that 20 second minute lacelso goal was very much coming uh very much coming and villa they, they just had no presence in the middle of the field. I think that was down to Louise and Kamara, either not showing their boots or dropping way too deep. And then what that would do is it would uh, put a big pocket of space between Watkins and Diaby and the midfield. And 
they weren't able to find mm-hmm. them as outlets. So, yeah, Spurs were very successful in what they were trying to do in the first 30, 35 minutes of this match. So, uh, I guess we'll have to bring Spurs into this conversation. I want to focus on Villa because I think we've talked about Spurs quite a bit sure. uh, so far. However, however, I think it's uh, relevant to put in that uh, Hoiberg had to come on because uh, Rodrigo mm-hmm. Bentec got injured again. Yeah. Got kicked in the ankle pretty, or something. Pretty big injury for Don. Um, to add to the <laughs> to the list, let's let's add another one to the list here. Um, so th- I think that changes the midfield dynamic there. Uh, ben Tecker is a much, I believe, uh, a better ball than Hoiberg is. Um, but mm-hmm. then we move on to the uh, seventh minute of extra time uh, at the end of the first half. Uh, Pau Torres, new center back signing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is off. Of- um, it was off of a set piece. There was a foul on like the right side of the pitch. Okay. Um, Douglas Luiz takes a, a free kick. Nice curling uh, free kick that basically curls across the the six, um, sort of in no man's land between the uh, the six-yard line and the penalty spot. And uh, Pau Torres was the first one to get up to it. Yeah. So th- there were warning signs that this could happen. Um, Watkins actually scored a goal um, earlier. It was directly after Spurs got there first. They scored like literally in their first attack after, um, but Watkins was just marginally offsides. It's sort of a similar um, curling effort from deep uh, that Watkins found with his head and, and uh, hit home nicely, but was just a bit offsides. So I think there were some signs that uh, Spurs were struggling a bit with the aerial threat that surprisingly, I think to a degree, uh, Villa were offering. Um, but I think there's a, a a bit of a lack of size in that in that lineup. Maybe Ben Davies is the only sort of notably tall person after Ben Tecker went off. I think I think Ben Tecker's kind of a bigger guy. So yeah, um, they were uh, losing in in the jumping department, Jacob. <laughs> and uh, Pau Torres was uh, happy to um, take advantage of that. Yeah, I think there have been uh, obviously questions asked of Pau Torres. Um, he signed obviously as a ball playing center back for Aston Villa. Uh, so defensively, you know, I've read a lot that he's been um, struggling defensively in the games that we haven't watched uh, Vela with. Um, would you say he performed above expectations in terms of handling the speed? Um, I mean, obviously we've got like Son up front, right? But also like <laughs> Dejan Kulisevsky, I think heals. Um, he's he's like a winging marauder. Yeah. Young guy. It was really the the trifecta of Brennan Johnson, Kulisevsky, and Son. Johnson and Son were, like, if you look at their positioning, like, their average positions, like, they're both basically just through the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Spurs, what they do well is they, they play through you um, quite well. Their uh, passing networks are quite strong. Um, and they're able to just kind of split um, your defensive structure. That, you know, they'll put the ball between two defenders and take them both out of the out of the game. Um did that quite a bit, and what that resulted in was a lot of uh, forward passes into green space for Brennan Johnson and, and Hillman Sun to run onto, and that was creating uh, problems for this Villa uh, um, defensive unit. I think that Pau Torres, his recovery pace is like fine; it's not great. Um, but like Villa, they're they're not trying to like <laughs> race back to mark you; they're trying to catch you off sides, and they they were successful at that. Um, their offsides trap uh, worked. I just as just as well as I had to because mm. they caught the uh, Spurs offsides five times, three of which ended in Spurs goals. Um, four Youngman's son, <laughs> uh, I believe all three were for him. So um, yeah, they did their job there. That was the strategy. Um, and I think if you were to give credit to Pau Torres and to um, Carlos and Conza, who were kind of the, a flat back three, it was sort of like a three-five-two. Um, or three, four, three, depending on how you look at it. Um, with Torres, Carlos, and, and Conza as like the back three guys, they were a solid unit, um, and they held their line well. So I think they're more. It was more of a um, a group effort than it was a individual effort. Um, okay. Um, I'm also seeing uh, a Yuri Tielman's assist. Yes, yes, that was for the uh, the Watkins goal. Yes, um, I only mention him because he's he hasn't really fit in too well to the squad. Yeah, he's he's had a weird stint at at Villa. I don't know. Um, it seemed like he was kind of on the outs. Like he was apparently agitating for a move in January. Then I think I saw that he and Unai Emery had sort of like clear the air talks. But he's not. He's still not been starting a whole lot. Um, came on in the second half. I think with Tielemans, you see his shortcomings. You see uh, what he brings to the table. Um, basically, every time he's out there, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. 
it's not covering a lot of ground. But going forward, he's got, I mean, he's got plenty of passes in his bag, um, which finding Watkins for that goal is I mean, pretty quite nice. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess you kind of have to, you have to uh, take what you get from him a little bit. Um, Tielemans would be like a, just a fantastic midfielder if he could cover any ground. He's just too slow and, and plodding, I think, for me. Plotting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you think Aston Villa finish? Um, that's an excellent question. I think, I think that they're going to finish below Newcastle. Fifth. I'm going to say sixth. I'm going to say seventh. Could be second if we're judging Maddie's table. Could be second. Seventh. I'm going to say seventh, seventh place. Place. Aston Villa. Haven't seen enough out of Brighton recently uh, to convince me. Um, I think Tottenham and Newcastle will probably jump them in the end. Um, still not entirely convinced by Man U. They're just way too mercurial. Um, yeah, I'll give them seventh. That seems fair. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this table. It just seems like um, it feels like all these teams have like varying degrees of uh, threat, mm-hmm. but within each other to a degree. Yeah. Uh, uh, up to 11th place. And then there's just like a cliff. <laughs> and then and then everyone else is in the same boat. It's like two yeah. bins. It's like Wolves to Burnley, trash. Yeah. Brentford to Arsenal, okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The middle the middle of the table is is weird because I think there's some good teams in there. The um, mid table doesn't exist. But yeah, the uh, the points wise doesn't doesn't really exist. Yeah, no. yeah, it's uh, class is disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is in the Premier League, isn't it? Like yeah. it's it really kind of is. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. All right, let's move on. Ha ha. Uh, last <laughs> game, uh, Everton nil three Manchester United. The ever mercurial Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> I I have from you here, Blair. Um, uh, quote, I stake my life on this. Oh, I wow. swear to God, Ten Hag is getting sacked by Christmas. Oh. <laughs> What's that about? I don't know. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess um, I, I only watched, what, 10 minutes of this? Something like that? Um, yeah, something like that. Matches, you know, Kind of, kind of whipped Everton's butt from the 10 minutes I saw. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the other 80, but it seemed like Everton were really getting caught on the counter a lot and just getting blown to bits. So um, just a quick summary on this for Everton. We've talked enough about Man U. Who cares? They don't have a lot of d- adoring fans. They do. They have a lot of adoring fans. They have a lot of adoring fans. fans. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob was selling it short. Um, you want me to give a summary, Jacob? I mean, like, I don't know. Just, just early takes. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, from Everton's perspective. Now. Yeah. They conceded just a beautiful bike kick goal from Alejandro oh, Garnacho. I did see that. Uh, it's utterly insane. What can you do? I, I don't know. I, it was, it was a goal where I think out of respect, you shouldn't save it. Uh, because like it was just so well placed <laughs> and struck. Um, go go find the replay of this goal if you haven't seen it, uh, folks. Because it's done this for my family. <laughs> it's truly remarkable. It's like it's one of the best finishes I've seen in the Premier League this year, uh, easily. Um, so that happens in like the second minute. Like there's two minutes and sixteen seconds on the clock or something. So like instantly Everton are behind on just an absolute like bolt of lightning from the gods. Um, and that's rather unfortunate for them because if you look at their first half performance, the um, the run of play, Everton, 10 shots, 1.45 XG. Manchester United, 2 shots, <laughs> 0.09 XG. Wait, hang on, hang on, player, player. Are you trying to tell me that just because I saw 10 minutes means that, man, you didn't crush Everton beneath their boots? Not exactly. Um Everton created some good chances. They had a, a shot that um, hit the post. Um, that was later in the match. It was a Mikalenko. It hit the post. And, it hit the crossbar and then the post, I think. I'm seeing right now 24 total shots yes. from Everton. 2.73 XG. Yes, they they did. Nothing to show for it. They did. Um, they did put in some work. Like Everton can put up good attacking numbers. They have been for a little while. This is the thing about them. They're currently on four points, five points right now because of the, the deduction, four points. Um, but like they've been playing like a team that's much higher up on the table. 
Um, even when they were at 14 points, they've been playing a lot better than that, I think. It's just that they have trouble putting it in the back of the net. And then there are just some really poor lapses on the, the second and third goal. Uh, Ashley Young um, kicks out uh, at Rune. No, who's dribbling in the box? Martial dribbling in the box. It's Martial. Um, and it's a foul. It's initially given a simulation and a yellow card for Martial. Uh, and then Vars look at it and it's, it's a foul. Uh, Ashley Young just put his foot in the way and tripped him in the box. It was, it was foolish. I think Martial's touch too was a bit heavy. He probably wouldn't have gotten to the ball even if he wasn't impeded. So, I mean, that's something that's hard to read in the moment, but it was just really foolish. And from an experienced player like Young, you'd probably wish that he would do a little better than that. So um, he sort of let the team down today, I think. He, he play, played really poorly. He had a yellow card on a, on a separate foul where he just kind of kicked a guy. Um, I don't know. I, I He's a weak point for me um, from them. Well, he's 38. 38, so. yeah. Let's, a little ageist of you. It is, yeah. Retire. Put him in a home. Um, <laughs> Marcus Rashford converts from the spot. Nice penalty. Um, that's 2-0. I think that sort of took the wind out of their sails. Um, Everton very much had chances to get back into the match uh, when it was at 1-0. Like I said, they conceded in the second minute and then basically had the run of play uh, attacking-wise for most of the first half. Um, and then there's a, uh, a pass from, I believe, was it Bruno Fernandez. Or uh, let's see here, who assisted the Martial goal? Yeah, I think it was it was Bruno. Um, a pass into the box that basically rolls just straight past Tarkowski. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he could have made a play on the ball or not, but it rolls right past his sort of... So shot across the bow, you know? Um, he's an aircraft carrier, so it takes a long time <laughs> to respond. And uh, Martial receives... Um, Pickford comes out to challenge, and Martial does this really nice little uh, dink move to to chip it right over uh, Pickford's outstretched arms, and mm. that's a Ballon d'Or clause, Martial, if I've ever seen it. Um, great <laughs> finish. Never, nobody's ever gonna let that. Go. Nope. Nope. Great finish. Great finish. So yeah, I. It, it's just like yeah, one team created three big chances, scored three yeah. goals. The other team created three big chances, scored nil. Uh, or zero goals. So it's, uh, I think, as the uh, pundits say, it's a funny little game <laughs> we play, we watch. I do have trouble with a bit with, I guess, the numbers with, uh, with Everton because a lot of their really good chances come from headed chances. And I think you're just going to see bigger error bars on those, um, yeah. than you will off of shots, which I think you just have a lot more control over. I mean, you're inherently, your yeah, you're, you're relying on your primary source of goals being from lower. Yes. Quality chances. So, I mean, like, like, you'll uh, see a DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, headed chance at the six-yard line, yeah. um, get a point three or point two XG rating. But, I mean, I think a header, I don't know. You've got you've to hit that with some sort of deduction um, because it's just a much harder thing to do. Now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's one of the better guys in the league for it. It's not a bad strategy, especially when you're Sean Teich. That's, like, his whole thing. I don't know. Has anyone written him a letter on the benefits of short corners? <laughs> Oh, what game were we watching? There was a short corner. I think it was the Man City game. They took a short corner against Liverpool and just nothing. They got nothing out of it. Yeah. And I was like, you guys haven't like gotten the ball in the box. Like you just got to kick it in there and turn the blender on and see if something happens. You know, like, I don't know. Sometimes I get really frustrated with the grinder. Yeah. Just, just do some, just, you know, huck it, you know, this is, this is exactly opposite of how I would coach my team. <laughs> like there is a system in place, trust the system. And you're like, you know, just fuck it. Get it in there. Just get it in there, you know? <laughs> just get it in the box. Something crazy might happen. You're a big lad. <laughs> um and then I also uh sort of talking about the numbers a bit. Um I think Everton to a small degree, f sort of fluked the XG. They they got like 0.8 off of one sequence of play. That was the 94th minute. Um there were like three consecutive shots that happened that gave them like 0.8 XG. So like, you know, they still created plenty of shots. There's a, a Idrissa Gay shot that he hit wide of the post. There's a McNeil shot that I think he could have done better and then kind of hit it straight at Onana. Um, Decore had a nice shot from like the penalty spot, maybe a little bit further back that he put wide of the post as well. So some good moments for them. Um, and yeah, they just, you gotta, you gotta get it on goal guys. <laughs> it's like, um, seems like you're telling me one, one thing and then I'm hearing another, you know, it's like, it did Everton do good or not. I don't know. I, I don't know. They, they did okay. They did okay. I would be really disappointed in this match. I feel like they're, if I was an Everton fan, not one goal. Yeah. Yeah, I would be one. disappointed. I think if they score that goal after going down 1-0 off of one, any of those chances they created in the first half, it's a completely different outcome, honestly. 
Like they at least could have gotten a point out of this match. Instead, they lose zero to three. You know, like I, I just think that's that's gotta be very frustrating. Um, obviously, a very heated environment too. There was a lot of uh, uh, Premier League logo signs being held up with the word "corrupt" underneath. Um, hmm. Some fans upset with the uh, the decision made about the points deduction. So I think I saw um, some coverage like saying like all of the foreign channels were acknowledging that but sky was like just mm. avoiding it yeah so hmm. makes you wonder i really do wonder what it's like being on the inside there yeah you know, like what is it like being the average english whatever cable sports viewer like what what is it that they're getting fed versus us you know how different is it really um because you hear a lot about like yeah all the weird tv things that happen there <sighs> that's a good question because i wonder what they think about the NBA or the NFL with like how the finances work. I don't know. Do they think it's better? You should really ask someone. I I really don't know about that. Yeah. Um. You hear them get invoked a lot uh, in conversations, or at least I do. Basically, in well, the corners you, of the internet that you I mean, like with the salary. Yeah, salary caps, cap and, yeah. and stuff. Like I that. think salary cap's a good idea, honestly, because like you get these like whales of contracts, and then like it's it's bad. It's worse for it's worse for the corporations. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the corporations. Yeah, I think that at the center that that's the difference is like the American like corporation center with with better with better laws about the game because the corporations can do whatever they want. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap up with an FPL update. Um, I don't have the table in front of me, nor do I have a way of getting it. All right, folks. Another week has come and another week has gone. Now, admittedly, there is another fixture happening tomorrow, being Monday, the 27th. That's Fulham Wolves. Let's go. So for all of you peeps that have Fulham Wolves players, don't know why you would. Uh, <laughs> you still have points to get. However, our new top five, we have some new faces. Or should I say new face? In fifth place, Rob's Rams. Hey, let's go, Rob. You've gone down a place, Rob. I'm oh, sorry. No. Uh, My bad. 41 <laughs> points. He was the new face. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was initially in fourth place. Uh, but he's got two points coming from uh, Cameron Archer, so he's going to have uh -huh. 43 points this okay. week, All which, right. you know, well, well played. We'll, we'll play. take it. Uh, at a total of uh, 752 points, uh, well done. Uh, you are in fifth place. In fourth place, newcomer. <clears throat> cool guy Jake. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, that's right, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you thought I was gone. Uh, with the most uh, points this week, actually. How many? 57. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I still didn't play Bone either. You really got to go. He's injured. International mm -hmm. break, right? Uh, so that's 756 total. 14 behind. And Erickson. Coachies 11. Hey. Uh, Coachies. Also, everyone had Bone, but she, you know who she's got? Lascelles on the bench. <sighs> Seven points. Yeah. Crazy. Did you see Raheem Sterling's goal? I did not see that. Mm, it was a kick. nice free kick. Yeah. And then uh, Chelsea got a chance, another oh. free kick chance in the almost the exact same place. <laughs> and Reese James was like, I got this. And, and just skied <laughs> over the crossbar. Were, were his two yellow cards like bad? They were so stupid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Reese James like checked out of the match. It was like he yeah. had his baggage, his roller bag behind him, and he's like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> like the second I foul, he's catch. on a yellow. The second foul, he just like grabs a guy. I think it was uh, Gordon, who, by the way, sells it pretty well. But he just grabbed him like around the shoulders when he runs by, and like, Gordon falls to the ground, and it's like, yep, here it comes. And yeah. Dang. I, I, he seems so jaded and checked out uh, between the injuries and just like sort of his demeanor. I don't know. I just feel like Reese James like maybe needs to move on to greener pastures or something. I don't know though. He's kind of like a Chelsea guy. He is. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, I don't know. Like it feels like he's sort of he'd stuck. Want to. Yeah. I think he needs to go to like Spain or Italy. Get some, get some, uh, some sunlight, some, uh, Hibona Verico or something and, and uh, chill, get some sangria. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's get, your, get, your, uh, get your self care up. Chelsea Reese. FC, Reese James is the second highest paid player. Yeah, so. 13 this guy million pounds a year, 250,000 a week. Clearly is toiling in the mine. <laughs> <laughs> he needs release. <laughs> in second place, uh, we've got uh, none other than our very own Blair Lacrosse. Hey, let's go. Karu Human or are you dancer? I think I got five points coming off my bench too. He's Carlton got, Morris, yeah, you've baby. Got Morris coming on for Matoma, who um, yeah. is missing an action. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, other than that, though, your bench sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude my team is really injured at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that'll be 
48 points for you. Well done. Thank you. Uh, and sitting way, way, way at the top still, we've got Shake and Bake. Uh, that's Dan. Um, sorry, Dan Arnsberger. Uh, Let's 50, go, Dan. 50 points this week. Man's killing it. Yeah, I don't know. What's his, what, 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 what's his source? Who's he talking? Uh, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> anyway. <that's>, Who's his <laughs> source? <laughs> that's our top five uh, this week. We'll update next week. Uh, let's see. Big matches next week, Blair. We always forget to do this. So <laughs> now that I've remembered, we're going to decide the games we're watching. Right. Right now. Well, live. here's... Here's my question, Jake. Yeah. We're also in Philadelphia this weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, the Plastics Podcast are going on a field trip yeah. to Philadelphia to to, to PAX. What's mm. PAX, you ask? It's a board game. <laughs> There's going to be tons of chicks game. there. Yeah. Just kidding. It's, it's going to be a, a chock full of board games and fun times, actually. Uh, big games that are happening, though. Newcastle Man United at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, pretty big one. Pretty big one. Also... Uh, Chelsea Brighton, mm. another big one. Also, Man City Tottenham. Uh, I think th- I think those three pick themselves. Those, those seem to pick themselves. Yeah. So, um, we're going to try to catch those at PAX, <laughs> and then uh, get back. Actually, you know what? I think I think it would just make the most sense. Here's the thing: Plastics Podcast is not going to be broadcasting next weekend. Yeah, it probably won't happen. Uh, because we're going to be uh, using uh, manufactured plastics uh, mm. to play board games. Yeah, we're going to be, like I said, just talking to some of the greatest minds on earth yeah. on how to riz, how to how to, <laughs> how to flirt. It's actually a, it's a dual convention. It's a uh, dating advice slash board game convention. Alpha males and board game creators. It will not smell like body odor in yeah. there. No, it'll, it'll smell like axe. X. Yeah, yeah, it probably will smell like <laughs> X, actually. Yeah, so. Uh, cool. Well, that's all from us. Uh, all from me, I should say. Blair, do you have anything to close on? Um, yeah, shouts out to my Uber driver uh, this week, who, this is one of these things that came to mind and instantly slipped from my mind when we were talking about things we were thankful for for soccer this year. I had a nice conversation with an English bloke from uh, North London uh, who was driving me in an Uber this week um, for work things. And uh, we were talking about soccer and I asked him where he was from and he said, I'm from North London. And I was like, interesting. We got a bit of a coin flip here. And I was like, so which club do you support? And he goes, Tottenham. Like, and well, I go, ah, interesting. I like Arsenal. And he's, he's getting, we're on the on-ramp to the, to the expressway and he slams on the brakes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I was, I started laughing. We had a nice conversation. Uh, he was generally a very cool guy. Um, and I was asking him about Big Ange and how, how the Spurs boys have been looking. And he seemed cautiously optimistic, but he's like, I've been here before. I'm a Spurs fan, so you know I know what to expect. Um, and we talked about, a bit about the Everton uh, controversy, the, the charges at City and Chelsea, um, and uh, hooliganism going to Highbury in the 70s with his dad, who was an Arsenal season ticket holder. Uh, so explain that one to me. Um, he called this Woolwich. Uh, and then when I got out of the car, he said, I hope your club gets relegated. And I said, <laughs> thanks, man. I hope you do too or, or something. Uh, That's the game. But it was all it was all in good spirit. The game's and, uh, still alive. Very nice, very nice uh, conversation. So yeah. I think his name is Andrew. I hope he's, hope he's doing well. Wow. That's fun. Yeah, it was a nice, nice thing. Brings the world together. Well, you know, I'm thankful for that interaction because that sounded genuinely pleasant. It was. It was nice. Cheers. Yeah. Um, and, and from all of us here at the Plastics Podcast, happy Thanksgiving and uh, make sure to, uh, you know, stay hydrated. <laughs> get on that elliptical. Yeah, get on that elliptical. You gain weight, dude. Yeah, I do. Dude, I saw you putting away the stuffing, bro. All right. Yeah, you I need was. to get in the I gym. Was. Went to town on that. People are talking. Okay. <laughs> We're concerned. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.